Welcome back, everyone. This is chapter 33, Bad News and Bad News. The children's plan was bold, ill-formed, and likely to fail, and all of them knew it. They also knew they must act now or never. Tomorrow, then, Sticky said, hurriedly grinding a plant root between two rocks. When he was finished, Constance swept the powder into a small bag and handed him another root. Yes, tomorrow, said Kate, standing guard on the hilltop, a few yards up the path. And let's hope it's not too late. I wouldn't want it to be any sooner, said Constance. I don't particularly look forward to tomorrow. She contemplated a few pulpy grains of crushed root clinging to her fingertips and resisted, for the twentieth time, the temptation to see what they tasted like. Sticky had warned her that wild chuckroot, or euphorbia of chuckenhai, as it's more widely known, was a powerful emetic. Constance had never heard the word emetic, but for once she hadn't required an explanation. It was clear from their plan, and from Sticky's mischievous grin, that by tomorrow most of the students at the Institute would be barfing up their suppers. Those suppers had yet to be eaten, however. It was the end of the school day, not yet supper time, and the uneasy members of the mysterious Benedict Society were the only children outside in the chill air. The other students were either in their rooms studying or watching television, but the moment class was dismissed, Sticky had led his friends up here, just over the top of the hill behind the gym. It was here, on the day they'd encountered Mr. Bloomberg, that Sticky had spotted the patch of wild chuckroot, along with various other plants whose Latin names he rattled off, and the others promptly forgot. This should be enough, Sticky said, grinding up the last bit of root. He dusted his hands vigorously. Then, considering what would happen if he absentmindedly touched his lips, then absentmindedly licked his lips, Sticky dusted them again. And a few minutes later, when the children were gathered on the hilltop, he dusted them again. I'm starting to actually feel guilty about this. Can you believe it? Maybe it means you still have a conscience, Rainy said. Kate snorted. <laughs> or maybe it means you're sympathizing too much with the enemy. Personally, I don't feel the least bit guilty for sending a bunch of bullies on an emergency trip to the bathroom. Sticky wiped his hands on his pants. Don't let your feelings make you too ambitious on this one, Kate. If you overdo the dose, you might hurt somebody. And it isn't just messengers getting the stuff, Rainy reminded her. That would be too suspicious. It has to be everybody. Kate rolled her eyes. Who needs parents when I have you two? Don't worry, I won't kill anyone. And I promise not to enjoy it the tiniest bit if Martina turns green. Guilty or not, they all smiled at the thought. So let me just review the plan, Constance said. The other messengers will get sick and won't be able to do their sessions with the Whisperer. So you boys will get your turn early. When you get called for your session, Kate and I will sneak away somehow and wait outside the door to the Whispering Gallery. Now, how exactly are we supposed to do that? What if we're in class? We haven't worked that part out yet, Rainy admitted. Right, said Constance. 
and then one of you will push the button that opens the door, even though the button is on Mr. Curtin's wheelchair. How are you going to manage that? We haven't figured that part out yet either, mumbled Sticky. I see. And then, after all this has been magically accomplished, Kate and I will rush inside, and the four of us together will somehow defeat Mr. Curtin, ruin his whisperer, and make our escape unharmed, even though we're on an island and the bridge is guarded by recruiters. Any idea how this is going to happen? No, the boys said dejectedly. Kate shrugged. Okay, Constance said. I just wanted to be sure I understood the plan. Anyway, you can't count Milligan out, Rainy said. He'll be there to help us. Constance threw her hands into the air. How do you know? You haven't even left the note for him yet. Rainy rubbed his temples. I'm going right now, Constance, okay? Be quick, Rainy, Kate said. I'll need all three of you to distract the helpers while I doctor the food. How are we supposed to do that? Constance asked, launching into a tirade about how ill-prepared they were, how little time they had, and how this plan was giving her a worse headache than the hidden message broadcast did. So I ask you again, she concluded, exactly how are we supposed to distract the helpers? Just be yourself, Kate said with a sigh. Rainy left the others arguing on the hilltop and hurried down toward the shore. He had insisted to he be the one to hide the note. Kate would have loved to sneak down to the culvert again, but this was not a clandestine operation. It had to be done in the daylight. Rainey did take a route that made it difficult for him to be seen from the Institute grounds, but if he was spotted, he'd invented a good explanation. In one pocket, Rainey carried a note for Milligan that told him of their plan. In another pocket, he carried a sketch of the island bridge, which Rainey had spent most of two class periods working on from memory. He was a fair artist and had felt modestly satisfied with the result until Kate glanced at it after class. Not good, he asked, seeing her brow wrinkle. It's okay, Kate had said tentatively, but the perspective's a bit off. See, if you just follow the line here, darken those shadows there. In about two minutes, she had produced a much better sketch than his own. Rainy scowled. I'll take yours, he said grumpily. Wouldn't want you to have gone to all that trouble for nothing. At the top of the sketch, he printed the title, Your Favorite View. If he was caught, Rainy would say he'd gone to the shore for a better view of the bridge so as to make the best possible drawing the drawing, of course, being intended as a present for Mr. Curtin. Hurrying along the bottom of the incline, just out of reach of the lapping water, Rainy patted his pockets anxiously. Both pieces of paper were there. Good. Now don't step in the water, he told himself. Wet shoes might draw suspicion. And be sure the note doesn't stick out when you leave it. Cover it up completely with the rocks and don't leave any footprints. It's a miracle footprints didn't sink us last time. Only poor old SQ spared us that disaster. Rainy found the culvert and marked off 20 paces from it. He looked around, not a soul to be seen. There was no one on the bridge, 
the incline concealed him from the rear, and in front of him was nothing but water, and across it the mainland shore. It occurred to him that Mr. Benedict and his crew were probably watching him through a telescope right now. He stared toward the trees across the channel. No doubt they could see him. The question was whether he would ever see them again. Rainy gave a melancholy little wave, one part hello and one part goodbye. Then he bent and hid the note between two big rocks. Be sure, Rainy reminded himself. Had he stacked the rocks carefully? Had he made sure the note could not be seen? Had he left any telltale footprints in the sand? Satisfied on all counts, he hurried back the way he'd come, anxious to put distance between himself and the note. As he left the shore and started up the incline, Rainy considered what to do with the sketch. He didn't think he'd been spotted, but he should save it just in case. If someone confronted him about it later, he would have his excuse in his pocket. Rainy patted his pocket, but the sketch wasn't there. How could it not be there? Hadn't he put it in his left pocket? He reached into his other pocket and felt the paper. He must have it confused. Or had he? He took out the paper, to be sure, then stared at it in disbelief. It was his note. He had left the sketch under the rocks. Now things were getting dicey. Kate needed his help, and it was almost time for supper. But they absolutely had to contact Milligan. You can do it, Rainy told himself. You'll just have to run. Rainy ran down the incline, watching his step on the rocks, careful not to get wet, careful not to leave Prince. Soon he'd made his way back to the two stacked stones. He glanced quickly around, shore, bridge, water, all clear. Exchanging the note for the sketch, unfolding the note to be certain this time, he put the stones back, checked one last time for footprints, and ran off as fast as he could. Two minutes later, Rainey was alone on the plaza, breathing hard. He saw S.Q. Pedalian appear from behind the Institute control building, but there was no way S.Q. could have seen him, and there was no one else in view. Rainey wiped his brow. That was a lot of excitement over nothing. He waved to S.Q. and hurried on, not wanting to get caught up in a conversation. No time for that. The others were waiting. As it happened, S.Q. was in a hurry, too. All day long, he had been tormented by his mistake. How could he have been so foolish as to wipe out the spy's footprints? Such a ridiculous blunder. And all day long, he had thought maybe, just maybe, if he were to go back down there and take a closer look, S.Q. picked up his pace, feeling more eager with every step. He would skip supper and spend the entire hour searching. Wouldn't it be something if he did find the spy's footprint after all? Or some other clue? They had scoured the area pretty carefully before. But you never knew, did you? How wonderful it would be if he could redeem himself in Mr. Curtin's eyes. And so it was that with longer and longer strides, S.Q. Pedalian hurried across the plaza and down the incline toward the shore toward the culvert, toward the place where Rainy, in his anxious hurry, had stacked the two stones just a little less carefully than
than he'd done the first time, toward the place where one corner of the note stuck out, flickering in the harbor breeze like a tiny white flag of surrender. When supper time came and the cafeteria roiled once again with rowdy students, the members of the mysterious Benedict Society suddenly developed an apparent dislike for anything salty or sweet. They loaded up their trays, as usual, to avoid suspicion, but carefully avoided touching their forks to anything but green vegetables. You couldn't have saved even one kind of pastry, Kate? asked Constance, screwing up her face to swallow a Brussels sprout. She barely managed it, gulping it down with plain water, rather than her usual orange-flavored soda. These might as well be poisoned. Better safe than sorry, said Kate, through a mouthful of lima beans. Anyway, I didn't have time to pick and choose, you know. All around the cafeteria, children were stuffing themselves with their usual favorites, greasy foods, savories, and sweet treats, and guzzling chocolate milk and soft drinks. Rainy, meanwhile, speared a dry lettuce leaf with his fork and thought, so far, so good. Despite his bland supper, despite the nagging message broadcast in his head, and despite the uncertainty of his plan, he felt a stirring in his heart, a good feeling that might pass for hope. Kate had spread the powder, Rainey had delivered the note to Milligan, and neither of them had been caught. At least some parts of the plan were going as hoped. It really was a good feeling, but it didn't last long. Jilson appeared in the cafeteria, a jubilant grin on her face, and came straight over to their table. Without asking, she crowded herself into a seat between Rainey and Kate, her wide shoulders forcing them to draw their arms close together over their trays, like praying mantises, and snatched a cream puff from Kate's tray and said, Hi there, squirts. Kate frowned, but only out of principle. Privately, she was delighted. Help yourself, she said coolly. Thank you, I will, Jilson said, gulping the cream puff down. Listen, I have good news and bad news, and I thought you kids would be particularly interested. You heard about SQ's bungling the spy business, right? It does ring a bell, said Rainey, who didn't like where this was going. Well, guess what, Jilson said. There's been a new development. SQ went back down to the culvert just now to take one last look around, and he found something. The children could only stare at her, stricken with dread. They were also confused. If SQ had found the note, then why weren't they already in trouble? Was Jilson toying with them? Now, as I said, there's good news and bad news, Jilson went on. Feeling as if they'd just been given very bad news indeed, Rainey had to stop himself from asking what the good news was. The bad news, Jilson said, is that what SQ found, a curious piece of paper, was destroyed before he could read it. That's terrible, the children cried, trying to cover their relief. It was too plain on all their faces, and they knew it. Luckily, Jilson didn't notice. She placed a hand on her belly and frowned. After a moment, she belched, smiled with satisfaction, and continued. Don't worry. The good news makes up for it. 
The spy has been caught. The children looked at one another. Caught? Jilson belched again and scowled. Must have eaten too much pudding. Yes, caught, like a rat in a trap. Turns out it was a man disguised as a helper. Came out of nowhere, snatched the paper from SQ, and tried to run away. But Jackson heard SQ shouting for help, and some recruiters on the bridge had seen it happen. So in no time, they had the spy surrounded. He tried to fight them off, but he was no match for our guys. I can tell you, he's in a classroom right now under heavy God. Rainey felt as if he'd been kicked in the belly. They had lost Milligan. Why, why are you telling us this, Jolson? Well, I have to admit, I was surprised. Martina had convinced me that Kate was the spy. She was disappointed to learn otherwise. But I thought you should know Kate's off the hook. The helper confessed to everything. He's a lone operator, apparently. That means he works by himself. Kate looked quite sick. Did he say who he was? We don't know his name, but he was on the island once before, years and years ago. When they took off the disguise, Mr. Curtin and some of the recruiters recognized him at once. Oh, and get this, he ate that piece of paper, chewed it up, and swallowed it before anyone could read it. Said it was from his private journal and was none of our business. Very dangerous madman. Don't worry, though. They're taking him to the waiting room and just... Oh, here they come now. The children could barely bring themselves to look. There was Milligan. His hands and ankles were cuffed. His feet dragged along in a defeated shuffle. And his ocean blue eyes, sadder than ever, focused only on the ground before him. Though he kept his head bowed, the cuts and bruises on his face were easily seen. He was being marched across the cafeteria by a half dozen recruiters and executives, including a very proud Martina Crow, none of whom showed any marks from a scuffle. Rainey wondered how this was possible. Jilson said he'd tried to fight, but if Milligan had really resisted, wouldn't his captors look as if they'd caught a tiger by the tail? Had he only pretended to struggle? But why? Unless... Suddenly, Rainey understood. Because SQ had glimpsed the note, Milligan had chosen to be caught. He'd wanted a chance to confess, a chance to make up a story about that piece of paper. A note would have suggested someone else had written it, another spy on the island. But a page from a private journal pointed only to Milligan himself. Yes, he had wanted to convince Mr. Curtin he was working alone, had wanted to take suspicion off the children. He had sacrificed himself for them. As Milligan passed through the cafeteria, the whole place erupted in applause for the executives and recruiters, then horrible boos and jeers for the captured spy. The miserable man was led past their table, right past the grateful and heartbroken children he'd saved. But never did he look up or reveal any awareness of them. Boy, doesn't he look glum, Jilson said. Kate started to speak, but a catch in her voice made her words incomprehensible. She was thinking exactly what her friends were thinking. Milligan had said he would die 
before he let any harm come to them.